0: as i was selling life insurance and annuities and really the best part of my day was writing funny emails to friends and then i'd have like you know people go off the email to write you back like being like oh that was so funny that was great and i would be like oh that's a drug you know that felt like oh it's hitting a part of me that like feels really good so i was like how do i do that how do i keep hitting that drug every day you know i always say comedy's a million jobs that makes up one job. Every my friends were getting girlfriends and I was doing open mics. So I've given a lot of my life to this. So I really I do value the time that goes into it. All
1: right. So we're going to start now. Are you guys ready for this? Are you guys ready for the show? Yeah. yeah? yeah. All right. Welcome back to The The Mentors. Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey, And this is a show where we tell stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs and creators despite having lack of experience, money, or connections. And our guest today, Jared Freed, who is the host of the J-Train podcast. He's also a stand-up comic. Uh, He is an entrepreneur and creator in the full sense of the word. He has gone from, uh, essentially, from doing finance, actually, uh, to to having his own show, to doing stand-up as a pro- as a career, as a profession. And, Vadim, what are some other things that J- uh, Jared has accomplished? Well, let me tell you what he's accomplished. I have him right in front of me, actually. He has been featured on NBC's The Today Show, MTV, and has performed alongside comics like Jimmy Fallon, Dennis Larry, and Jim Gaffigan. Am I missing anything? No. no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have uh,
0: that's uh, That's it. I'm a little, you know, it's a little embarrassing.
1: Why, why is that i don't know
0: i you know like i i it's weird with uh comedy it's like you're either seinfeld or you're nobody you know like there's like especially like with parents you know like so um it's so it's weird you know to like like this feels like you know this is very nice it's very cool but it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's tough because this is like an advice podcast right that's what we're doing kind of with with podcasts and entrepreneurship but like you know, I'd like to be somewhere else, you yeah. know, so um, it's nice, I, I appreciate it, but uh, I don't, I, I feel a little weird telling people about what I've done, because this isn't where I, you know, it's not like I'm like looking back at the sunset of my career, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I'm rambling, so.
1: No, it's cool. I, I think, look at, look at this as a, a, a slight reward for all the work you've been doing yeah, right. in the last decade, because uh <laughs> You as an entrepreneur and actually every creator that we meet that has been on our show and through the work that we do at NYU and through different funds that we support, uh, every entrepreneur, even if they, like we had a guy who sold his company for, you know, half a billion dollars, he's still not done. It, you know, he feels like he's getting started. He's in his 50s. Yeah. So I, hopefully that is something that you're always going to feel. Sure. But it's something that you do every single day is get up and, and get to work, right? Some,
0: yeah, depends on, you know, sometimes it's eleven. <laughs> but sometimes yeah i get
1: up we and do the same work, thing yes. uh, when we can uh see this as practice for when you're on sure. 60 minutes or yeah, right. uh i don't know hopefully for good reasons not terrible things yeah although i don't know i don't know you I mean, who uh, knows? <laughs> we're about to get to know jared yeah that's true uh all right so let's start at the very beginning uh you're a fellow masshole, right yes you're from massachusetts so are we for those of you guys that don't know what mass hole means i guess everybody in massachusetts is an asshole is that a thing
0: Yeah, you meet a lot. I mean, there's a lot of assholes there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think I'm (laughs) there. There's assholes everywhere. You know, like I always say, like with like sports teams, people hate Boston sports fans now because they're winning. Um, But like, you know, that same asshole in Boston exists in most of the Northeast. That's true. So I, 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 you know. Yeah, people
1: there can be tough. People hate on, on Massachusetts for those reasons because we're really good. We're too good. Uh, the <laughs> Red Sox are actually playing the Dodgers today, right, Game 1? Yeah. I don't care about baseball at all, but for those of you that might, that's when we're recording right now as the game's going on. See, uh, everyone here hates you now. So yeah. that's a- Thanks, guys. I'm sure you guys are all Yankees <laughs> fans, and I'm sorry about yeah. the this first series loss there. Again, don't care. <laughs> this is not a show about sports. You're not helping the Mass Hall name. <laughs> Uh, okay. So let's start at the beginning. You're Needham. Did you go to school there? I went to
0: Needham high. Okay. Um, and then I went to Penn state and then I came to New York to just work in New York. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to have a job and I wanted to be able to live and I wanted to be able to, you know, have fun. It really wasn't more than that. Uh-huh. And, um, as I was selling life insurance and annuities and really the best part of my day was writing funny emails to friends. And at that time with like, You know, I had a group email. You have all your group email with all your friends. I would write something back. I'd be spending my whole day writing emails to friends about nothing. And then I'd have, like, you know, people go off the email to write you back. Like, being like, oh, that was so funny. That was great. And I'd be like, oh, that's a drug. You know, that felt like, oh, it's hitting a part of me that, like, feels really good. So I was like, how do I do that? How do I keep hitting that drug every day? And, you know, at first you feel just stupid, like, yeah, I'm gonna do comedy, and like you know, telling people you want to do comedy is uh, kind of offensive to people. What I found. <laughs> and what do you mean th- offensive? What do you like mean? when you say I'm a comedian, people go. They take that. A lot of times, they take that as well. They must. You must think you're funnier than me. Hmm. And I do, but um, <laughs> I. But not. But that doesn't mean I'm funnier than you with your friends. That doesn't mean you don't have a great personality. That doesn't mean. It's just you find this, and I think that's with starting any business. Everyone's gonna think you're stupid until you're not. So it's, uh, you get that more given back. Like if you start a business, that's an app that's about finance, people will listen cause it's got the right words in it. You know, those are smart words. And when I say, I want to go talk about farts mm-hmm. on a Monday night, like they look at me and they go, Oh yeah, yeah. Right. You know? So for me, I didn't know how it was going to be, but I was like, I want to be funny for money. Um, and so I did everything. Like I just started doing like classes at UCB and at Chicago city limits And I started, I went to comedy clubs, and I reached out to some established stand-ups to get advice from them. And it was really just like this, like mentors, just like looking for mentors, because I really didn't have that before. And I was like, I was willing to just hear from, I didn't want any bullshit. I didn't want to hear like, you know, a lot of these times you go to these classes or whatever you sign up for, it's like that person in the front. It's like, why are they teaching me? Like, I, I wanted to go to people that I would trust and then listen to what they said and just not have to do... I wanted to cut out like months of going, they have these things called uh, bringers. That's like a a known thing in New York. If you bring five people, you can go on stage for five minutes. That bringer is a waste of time. So I never wanted, I never did a bringer because a comic looked at me and goes, yeah, you can bring people all your life and they'll just be happy you brought people to buy tickets. They won't care if you've gotten funnier. They won't care if you've gotten better. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. But you see people at bringers for five years and it's like, they're believing in something that just isn't the way because they're not listening to people. They want to listen to themselves.
1: So you, so I want to back up here because you actually did something early on that uh, many people with entrepreneurial instincts do, but it's not natural for everyone, which is you reached out to people that have done it before to learn from them directly instead of just trying yourself and failing first. Is that... That ability to reach out, not being nervous to get rejection, that kind of ability. Where did that come from? Did you do sales in the past? I was selling
0: selling life insurance. I was making like 100 dials a day or 300 dials a day to get like five appointments. And those would never end up in anything. Like it was a lot of failure at selling life insurance. And I just noticed that I was kind of afloat there. Like they didn't there wasn't like one guy that was like, you're getting my book. You're going to go call my old customer. It wasn't like that. They were like, here's a list of people to call. And I was like, that's fine. And I could learn doing that. Um, But I did value the idea of someone going, stop doing that. Do this. This is what it is. And it's like, you kind of have to put your ego aside and say like, okay, I know nothing. So I, I went in it knowing nothing and also not telling people what I was going to do. I didn't know stand up just felt the right for the right path for me. But I went to UCB and took sketch classes and went three levels of that and like paid the money to do that just to learn mm. to see if I was good at it or I could get better at it. And then I took improv class. That was like really outside of my box. But it, it all helped each other for everything. Like it helped for making a podcast, you know. So it all made sense looking back. But like I was just really open to like I'll do every form of comedy just because I told my parents, you know, you have this like coming out moment with your parents and it's like, you know, I was like, I, you know, if it ends up I'm writing greeting cards, fine. But that's the way it ended up. I'm okay with that. But, like, it's uh, it really started from a really just pure place of, like, I just want to get better at it. And then, you know, short-term goals. Like, you know, people ask you, like, oh, you want to be, like, on this show or do you want to have this type of, you know, you want to be this comedian? And it's like, I don't know. That's depressing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to be. It's more like... All right. What's the next month? What's the next? What's the next goal? Really short term stuff.
1: I like a lot of what you said. Um, you know, there's going to be even if you're starting a finance app or anything that sounds more legitimate. There's always going to be naysayers. There's always yeah. going to be people that say you're working in a startup. What the hell are you doing? Mm, you know, no one's yeah. going to care. There's there's big banks in New York City that can uh, outpace you quickly and build that app. With comedy, you know, I'm going to tell fart jokes. Whatever. It's like it doesn't even. And, and I'm sure this happens with a lot of people in different careers until you hit a certain point. Or if you're starting a business, until you hit a certain point and feel legitimate, you're going to have an A-Series. And even if you are successful, you're going to have an
0: A-Series. Yeah, I mean, you have the thing about performing alongside Jimmy Fallon and uh, Gaffigan and Dennis Leary. That was because I was on one show (laughs) at the Boston Garden, which I was lucky enough to be on. It's called, uh, you know, uh, it's a a cancer benefit that they do every year at the Boston Garden. it's like, to me, that was like a that was like my bar mitzvah. Like that's like a big night, but it didn't, that's not like why I started comedy. Like it wasn't like, I didn't see that as, but it's also like, to me, I'm like, okay, it's a little, imbe- it's a, it's a kind of a lie. <laughs> you know, like
1: yeah. how did you get that? By the way, how did you just, get a, I knew the guys? people that
0: put the show together and okay. they had seen me. And then my manager's involved with production of the show. And then he says, why don't I do comics. It's called comics. Come home. And it's been do- going for 23 years. It's a great show. And, um, He he's a part of the production of it and was like, hey, we need – do you want to be on it? I'm from outside of Boston, and they put a lot of comics from the area on. Um, But that, like, there's a – you know, especially with starting this, you have to, like – especially now with social media, you have to run the message that's out there and then also, like, know the reality of the message, which is, like, I don't know Jimmy Fallon. You know, it's not like we, he's like, good job, kid. You know, like it wasn't like that. Um, It was, we were on the same show and we walked by each other like two ships in the night and that's okay. But it is something that you have to say to people. Yeah, well, I have to talk myself up a lot of times because you have to convince people that you can do the job, especially with comedy where everyone's funny. But I would say that there's a difference between a good personality and being funny on stage. It's just different.
1: You do have to get okay with being self-promotional and a lot of people don't want to put themselves out there, but. How do you? What would you say to somebody that feels nervous about maybe overstating some achievement or selling themselves a little bit? How do you get over that? Um, you, I mean, you can either get over it or just have nothing.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't
1: know. It's binary for you. Yeah. <laughs> for you, it's, if you don't do it, somebody else will. Well,
0: you, well, the thing is, what any self promotion I do has to be with self awareness, and I have to try and make it funny. If it's not funny, it's not worth me putting out. So if I put an Instagram story out, like. How is this Instagram story going to be something that someone doesn't just go, oh, fuck this guy, and flip by? So I, I do think, like, you know, self-promotion. You can think for a minute of how do I make this a little different to make people want to look at it. Like, I you know, I put out, I mean, my whole Instagram is self-promotion. My whole Instagram is, you know, people get annoyed. At, I take screenshots of tweets and I put them on Instagram. But those do the best. A lot of comics will tell you, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll shit on it. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> but I gain 500 followers a week that might like the podcast that might come to my stand up show that might that, you know, those all trickle down everything else. So that is a, the most self-promotional thing I can do. I will, Hey, look at this tweet that I think is funny and then put it up on an app that's for pictures. <laughs> you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with that except to promote.
1: You got to do you and you'd be surprised. I mean, I've worked for enough shitty companies where I've learned over time that uh, everybody sort of fakes it a little bit and embellishes their successes. Yeah. You got to do it.
0: I think also admitting to it. Like when someone like, like I was talking with a friend over there and she was like, Oh, you're killing it. And I always say like, yeah, I make it look good online. You know, (laughs) like I, I know that I'm making things look better than they are, but you have to just admit to it when, you know, like it's just don't live in this unreality. Like, you know you know this reality that Gary Vee will tell you about you know hustle every day, and it's like, okay, good line, right, but what the fuck does that mean? you know I don't know you can say it all you
1: want, but it doesn't do anything. I also like what you said about focusing on short term goals because a lot of people they think about the future, they want that big success you know for a comedian, I guess it's uh having your own h b o special or a Netflix special, but you focused on the short term gains and Just enjoying the work, it sounds like.
0: Well, I yeah, I try to, like, and I also steal from everyone else, like, what they're doing, like, their advice points. Like, I try, I steal is a bad word, but I, like, like, Bill Burr, he said once, uh, a new minute every week that'll get you 52 minutes in a year, that's an hour special a year.
1: A new minute of comedy, you mean?
0: A new minute of stand-up, like, writing material. So, I I took that as gospel and spent my, you know... Every day since I've started doing stand-up, living by that. Did I get the minute? I always think about that. And it's like, you know, he's a successful stand-up. And I, Also, if you get an hour of stand-up in a year, it's not going to be good. But maybe I got t- 20 minutes because I was aiming for that 52. So that's kind of, you know, just taking other people's practices that I see. Like screenshotting the tweet. That's not, I didn't invent that. That's just seeing that someone else did that and it looked good and I liked it. Uh, I work with Betches. They make... Uh, videos and at the top of the video, it's a black uh, meme. It's a meme-looking video. At the top, it just has the setup, and then the video is the punchline. So I was like, okay, let's copy that. So I made my stand-up clips start with a setup up top, and then a punchline in my stand-up, and it, it worked out, you know, better than other videos. So it's just looking at what people do and saying, you know, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the room. So someone else is probably smarter than me, and I could use their shit.
1: Yeah, there's no reason, like you said, you're not inventing anything. So why reinvent the wheel? There's other people that are doing it. There's a blueprint for almost anything. It's part of why you started taking class in the beginning to learn from other people that are already further along. But also, you might as well emulate what's already working in every facet. As an example, Sergey and I are contributing authors on Forbes and Goldcast. And when we first got the gig at Goldcast, I was just thinking, you know, what do we pitch them? Well, mm. I just looked at all the different articles that they've written. I saw that they had the view numbers next to them, so I saw the ones that got the most views. And we came up with a bunch of headlines that sounded similar. Yeah,
0: why not? That was a big thing with writing for the internet too, because like they, it's funny with like the, the idea of like clickbait. Like I used to write for a lot of websites, and I would write a column, and the things that would do best were, ten, you know, lists at the yeah. time.
1: Yeah, listicles. So it'd be like,
0: yeah, listicle. Yeah. So it'd be like ten ways. So I named. Uh, I used to write for Total Frat Move, which you can all roll your eyes at that now. Um, so, <laughs> but I only, as I started this, I was like, okay, how do I get my name out there? I knew selling tickets was going to be a reality at some point. How do I get my name out there uh, to people? And then the internet, you know, there's good and bad of the internet. But for me, it was great because I would just give content to websites that I thought had an audience that would like me in exchange for retweets and Instagram posts. And I considered that a form of currency. Um, But, like, for total frat move, I would write stuff like 10 ways to make sure you get laid at the party. (laughs) And then the article would be like, did you really think this would get you laid? Like, it was was all a trick (laughs) into getting them to click. And also, like, I knew half of the retweets wouldn't read it. They would just retweet because it was a funny picture, funny headline. So I was like, okay, this all works into what I'm going to write, you know, from now on. That was always, you know, a thought in my head when, you know, what am I going to do this week? Because every Thursday I would write a column for different websites just at be out there every Thursday.
1: So actually that, that brings me to how you started your podcast because I believe that, um, that opportunity came about through yeah. writing that you did through a publication yeah. that you were writing for. So before we get into the podcast, actually you, you had this idea, I'm going to promote myself or get out there by writing for other publications. I have an audience. Yeah. Exactly. The reason why we started writing, to be honest. Sure. Um, what did you do to start getting out there? Did you like literally cold email them? How, how did you how you find their contact info? Like who did you reach out to? All that stuff. I, I was
0: just always willing to like sit and have coffee with someone and ask for advice. Um, so when I first started, I I didn't know a lot of creative people. Like I didn't know a lot of people in this section of things. But when I left my job, I had a few people like give me cards of people and they were like, This guy does this. This woman does this. This, And I would uh, reach out. I'd be like, hey, can I just introduce myself and get some advice? Mm -hmm. And that would be the start of, you know, meeting. And I think the first place I wrote for was uh, Weekly World News, which is known for, like, Bat Boy and, like, fake stories. And um, I told them I wanted to do a dating advice column called Dude Dating with J-Train. And they were like, yeah, we'll do – and the guy met with the guy who, like, had bought weekly world news and they were trying to move online. And I was like, I'll give this to you for retweets and whatever. So started doing that every Thursday. And then I had a friend who started another sports site. So then I went to him and then I did a video called frat dude goes to, um, where I went to the, it was comic con and I made a video of me, uh, acting like the biggest frat guy alive a, a stretch. I know. <laughs> um, so, um, Interviewing people at Comic Con, and then that video got picked up by Bro Bible, which is still going now. All these places are still going, but uh, Bro Bible was like, hey, we want to post, com- you know, let's talk about this video because they were looking to make more videos. And so I went in there and I was like, hey, and I want to write my, so now I have like more, I have this asset of a column I do every Thursday. So I was like, can I do this for you now for exchange for this many retweets? At the time, Twitter was like the thing. And then they were like, yeah, okay, and then we'll do more videos. So we ended up doing more videos and writing for them every Thursday. And then TFM, Total Frat Move, was posting my frat dude videos that I did with Bro Bible. and then I went on a bachelor party to Austin. I reached out to them being like, hey, I want to come to you guys and introduce myself and maybe do some other stuff with you. Can I come to your office? And then I walked, they were like, sure, whatever. And then I went to their office, and they were like, "Uh, frat dude. And I was like, cool, Um, can I write my column for you now? And I was choosing what I could write about every week. Like it wasn't like I was at a newspaper and I had to like talk to my editor. Mm. Like I would just give them an idea and then I would run with it. And I, they had a bigger Twitter community than bro Bible did. So all all the, all the while was always just like trying to like move all these people to me. So like go to their platform, move people to me. And then when I met with the TFM guys, they were really nice. They were like, yeah, submit your column. Their audience is like notoriously hard on people. Um, I submitted it, got really positive comments. And then I was like, and I also want to do a podcast. And they were like, and I love podcasts. I love radio. I like talk radio. So I was like, they were kind of like, well, what's this podcast thing? Like they didn't really know. And I was like, perfect. Uh, I'll go back to New York. I'll find a producer. I'll host it. You guys promote it. And that was kind of, and then we'll call it the TFM podcast. You don't have this in your catalog. I'll be the one that gets it to you. And so then I went back home a few, like six months later. They're like, I found stand up New York labs was starting this whole podcast network. And I was like, okay, great. I have the promoter. I'm the host. You're the producer. We'll split it, you know, down the line, hopefully make money. We 33, 33, 33, whatever it is. And then we just went from there. And then that was kind of like the, the TFM podcast when it was started.
1: Interesting. So did you like have to record a demo for them or they just went with it?
0: They kind of just went with it. Um, I had tried with Bro Bible to do a podcast with them. It was just too early. No one knew how, I didn't know the technology. No one knew what the hell we were talking about. I just knew I liked podcasts and I knew I, it was called Dudes Being Dudes with J Train uh, for Bro <laughs> that Bible. That sounds wrong. Yeah. It's, it's out there somewhere. I recorded with uh, this guy who was a lacrosse. What the hell is his name? Kyle, what's his name? The lacrosse guy.
1: We got a lacrosse guy in the audience.
0: No, he played, he's like the biggest lacrosse name at MLL. Who? Paul Rabel. Gary Gates, a little bit older than him. But it was Paul Rabel, I interviewed him. He was like the first million dollar MLL guy. So I went out to Long Island to interview him. And then it just like, no one was behind it. No one wanted, they didn't see the value in a podcast because for these media companies, there was, how do you sell it? You know, for them, which I understand. um, But I was listening to Adam Carolla a lot and his podcast was like in like 15 minute increments and i it was a radio show as a podcast which i didn't really exist at that point mm. they were all like the long form whatever interview type podcast so when i went to when i went to uh, TFM there were more there was more play, things in place to make it happen like just people who knew what they were doing mm. so then we started the TFM podcast and it was all about like we kind of had to introduce that audience to what a podcast was. And then at a certain point, a couple years later, they were like, you know, everyone wants a podcast. Like, why are we all here? You know? So they were like, well, we want to have our own podcast. And we amicably, I was like, you take the name, I'll take the audience that I built and built up and I'll just go on my own. And, uh, that became the J train podcast. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of,
1: and they didn't care that you're taking the audience.
0: No, I think it, they never came up. And it also, like, it was very much my show. Right. It started as we'll do news from Total Frat Move and talk about it. I didn't really care to talk about the news on their site. It didn't really speak to me as a podcast. It wasn't really listenable. So then we started asking for emails for the end of the podcast, like funny emails. And people started asking for advice. Hmm. And that's really what felt like a show. So people started sending these advice questions and i don't know anything but i was like willing to give time to all their questions i think and every episode i have a different guest on and um the advice questions i started getting like 50 a week wow and they really enjoyed it because i think for podcasts in general a lot of people you know a lot of what's going on is these long form like this is great because you're supposedly taking something away from it but like I wanted it to move, like to like be a little bit faster and funny, and you know have like, you know buttons that you could be like, okay, that's that email's done. Let's move to the next. Let's move to the next. So, that kind of hit home with people that it it was a little bit of a faster paced podcast. And uh, yeah, so then that was it.
1: When you started the the podcast with TFM, how did you make sure that it was going to get attention, that it was going to be promoted? Like, what did you do to actually on the ground like get them to push it out?
0: Well. <laughs> I have a good relationship with them to this day. We still email and, but at a company like that, you have to push for your thing to get at the top of the page or get retweets. So like, I think it was about being upfront with them. Like, Hey, if we're going to put out a podcast, I needed to get like two tweets. And then when Instagram got big, that's kind of, I think when we like, they were like, we're going to do our own thing because I was like pushing. I was like, you got to put it on the front of Instagram. Like you have an audience there. Like, this is perfect for it. You can, you know, you have a link to put up. So, it's it, with anybody. It's tough because, you know, you want your thing, especially if you're going to team up with companies. You want your thing to be at the, be. You think your thing is the best. Whatever I do is great. Whatever yeah. everyone else does sucks. So it's like, that's your attitude going in. It's like, everyone else there has that attitude too. So they want their things. Not, so you just have to be, you have to be. Uh, um, it was. We used to say it when we would call, pleasantly persistent. Mm. That was when I would cold call. Listen, like if someone was like, "Call me in six months." Hey, it's me, and they go, "Oh, sh- you remembered? Holy <laughs> shit!" Go, yeah, what's going on? How are you? And it's like, no one, nothing's personal. It's just about nothing's. My dad always says that. He's like, nothing's personal. It's just money. Mm. Like everyone's doing what think what they think will make them the most money. It's not because they don't like you.
1: Right. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important what you said, though, to take a step back, not being afraid to ask and being pleasantly persistent. I mean, a lot of people are afraid to ask. Yeah. That's why I always say get a job in sales. Do that for a couple of years. You'll get a thick skin. And, y- you know, you did call six months later because you have to freaking schedule meetings all week. And so, of course, you're going to call a guy that is a likely high likelihood of getting a meeting on the calendar. So you don't have to waste your time making it 100, another 100 dials. Really good experience, by the way, to put yourself through. 100 phone calls a day will kill your soul. <laughs> Uh, as it did ours (laughs) but what you know what I love about your story is that you know people probably think oh a comedian what are you gonna be doing okay I guess you're gonna be going on stage and then drinking every night but what you're doing is actually a ton of work you're writing for these various publications you're working uh, with TFM to actually set the direction giving them uh, direction on what they should be doing to promote your show you're running an actual business and that's incredibly important to, to remember
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> the tough part is is you're not making any money. You know. Right, so right. like you're well, just like yeah. I you know, you're pushing stuff out and then like you know, stand up comics don't get a lot of credit for how much work they do, but everyone works this hard. Like right. everyone's working, everyone's out every night until two in the morning and they're just trying to get on stage and you know, during the day they're pushing out their social media, they're trying to do their podcast. Like so many comics have podcasts, it's kind of like a punchline now. Like yeah. it because it makes the most sense for comics. I think now is a good time if you're not a comic, if you're like looking to do something in another space for a podcast. Like, look at how much people are eating up murder podcasts, like, and that just started. Hmm. Like, people are eating up these like self help. Po- Gary V, you know, like that's someone I mentioned we talked shit about before. But <laughs> he, he's, he's got it like from
1: Belarus. So he's yeah. Uh,
0: sure. That. So he's got a podcast. So, but now they're going into all these other aspects of life and like mine's a comedy podcast but I kind of wish we had just done the self-help route. You know, if it was the funniest self-help podcast, that's a lot less people to compete with mm. on that iTunes charts. So, you know, these are things that you know, I think about going back where I'm like like I started a podcast with Betches, which is the Instagram account and they're huge and they've been great to work with. They invited me and in, they're like we want to do a dating podcast and then uh, we want to do a male and female co-host, and we want you to be the male co-host. And I was like, great, let's do it. Yeah. And then that's taken off in a different way than J-Train. I've done it for five years, I think. I, it's been a long time, and it was doing fine. It had, like, anyone who starts a podcast would want just ads every episode. That's all I care. You know, we got ads. That's right. good. This The U-Up is kind of going in a different – It's it's blowing up in a way that, like, you can – feel it Hmm. you know it's um and that's just started a year ago now even looking back i'm like shit that would have been perfect in the self-help you know we're on the comedy side of things i don't know if you can even change that but i i do think how would you do it differently but it's blowing up
1: right so it's doing well but
0: you know that's also again that's teaming up with a brand Hmm. the thing is with tfm the podcast didn't i don't think it blew up not because it wasn't a good show it didn't match the audience like men don't really want dating advice just mm. in general they think they know the answer
1: although the art of charm charm was a huge uh, that's podcast.
0: a big one but the they're they've matched up with art of charm like where they're coming from is self help right. so people are looking for self help mm. i'm starting in the you know the j train podcast who wants advice from a guy named j train <laughs> you know like well, that's not where Our audience for. i think does so yeah, if you but ever I, want to come <laughs> back and <laughs> but uh, but i looking back i see the market. like it was smart to team up with tfm yeah but it wasn't what the J train did well at first and got a big audience and then kind of stopped. And then the minute I started going on female driven podcasts, mm. that audience really got on board way more because they were like, Oh, this is a guy who's speaking frankly and not hatefully about dating. Mm. And then when you go to Betches and like, they're getting now that's a whole female audience that they're going, this is refreshing. Like, and I didn't, think of it that way but that's kind of how it worked out
1: let's talk about that for a second so when you were leaving um tfm and you you got the rss feed so you got to keep basically the the show the bones of the show you just changed the name uh how many downloads or so or listeners however you want to put it was it getting at that point do you remember
0: i don't remember i know it had plateaued okay it wasn't and i always thought it like i was frustrating because i always thought it was a great show Mm -hmm. and something i would listen to so i was like And then at that point, you're like, okay, I got to get on other shows to help promote my show. Because the best way to get a podcast listener is to find a podcast listener. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have to go on shows where people are already used to the medium. There's going to be another growth in podcasts, I think, once we're in cars. Like, it's easy to just press the podcast button on your Chrysler. Mm -hmm. But that isn't happening, you know, because of serious. It's not happening because of, you know, radio. It'll happen at some point when you have Wi-Fi in your car and you can just... Walk in and your phone just connects right away, and it's easy. And my dad can do it.
1: Yeah. My dad can't. He's not gonna go sync his Bluetooth right now. To no, get it to work he, he's listening. Room. Like I couldn't even sync the Bluetooth to the speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: my dad's listening on speaker in in rooms full of people he doesn't know.
1: So like that's how he, you know. So so once you once you went independent, one of the ways you grew was by getting on other shows. How did you – what was your approach to actually you know, reaching out to hosts of those shows and getting on? What did you offer
0: it, them? It's tough. I, you, know, you want to offer them a guest on your show. You want to you know, say, hey, come on mine. I would love to come on yours. You have to offer them to go on yours and have such a fun time that they want you on theirs. I don't think – I think that's a big thing where people will say, well, comics hate spot trading. Hmm. Just we don't like it because it, – like if I had a comedy show at a bar that has people come every week – I don't want someone going, can I do your show, come on my show, and then hitting me. It's just uncomfortable. So learning from the stand-up world, I would just say, hey, come on mine, and I'll give you the best experience you could have in my world so that hopefully you'll want to bring me into your world. So I, I think that's important because a lot of times I get asked to be a guest on someone's podcast, and then they ask me to do my podcast on theirs, and that to me is a little, how do I, you know, I, I guess I could find their audience, but it doesn't, that's not even fun. I do that already,
1: mm-hmm. you know. So they want you to do your show on their show. Yeah.
0: Oh, yes. oh we it got already work, so it already. Hey, we got all these dating questions. Let's do that. And I'm like, I've done this. Right. You can go to my show to do this. <laughs> you know, like I want to be funny in your, on your, you know, in your world. Right. You know.
1: So was your approach. I just want to know sort of your process, right? Do you sit there and make a list of the top 10 New York based comedy podcasts uh, and just blast out emails? Do you do a couple times a week, once a month? What what did you do?
0: No, it was, it's more personal than that. It's more knowing the people and Hey, um, it's more relationship based, especially for podcasts. It's tough to get thrown onto someone's just, you want a referral. That'd be great. But it's it's really tough to get on other people's shows because, you know, they have their world and they're doing their thing and they want to bring people on that they're comfortable with because it is a long conversation. You and I we sat we sat a couple of weeks ago to, you know, had a conversation, then you said, Come do this. Yep. That's usually more the way it goes than hey, I have this like anytime someone's like I have publicists now that email me and they'll be like, Hey, this guy's the the dad comic and he wants to come on and talk about being a dad. And I'm like I don't want to fucking do that <laughs> <laughs> this guy absolutely. sounds awful and, you know and it's like but then I get someone that goes hey you got to meet this guy uh like I just had uh Chad Daniels who's a really funny comic but he comes with like I'd never met him but someone said to me you got to go listen to stuff and I went and listen to his album I was like wow this guy is so fucking funny I gotta have him on And then he was in New York for a couple weeks and we emailed and I got him on, you know, like, or another guest comes to mind and is like, you know, who's perfect for this show? Like, that's another thing that people with podcasts, because they're so podcasts are so um, niched off, like they're so specific. Mm. So you have to be right for that specific audience. Like, I have people that are like, hey, would love to come on TFM anytime. It's been J-Train for three years. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you should know. So, what am I supposed to think here? Like, yeah. oh, you just want to come because – and though I've been that guy. I've been that person who's like, oh, i come to lo- love to come do your show anytime. And then you do it, and you're like, that didn't get me anywhere.
1: Right.
0: All I did was just be shitty on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you Good know? practice, I guess. Good it's practice, but also, like, you know, they're not going to have you back. Right. Like, I have more people that come to me because they're like, I heard you on this. They they give me the whole, the whole, the, how they found me. They give me the whole hike that right. they took. Yeah. And that's interesting to me because it's always the same hike. Yeah, It's always very, there's like three shows that they'll go, I found you on this, moved you on this, now I'm on this. And I'm like, yeah, because that was a good marriage. That was a good way to find it.
1: Yeah, we, I feel like, you know, you've obviously had been on some prominent shows and stuff and you're probably getting publicists reaching out all the time. You have a big audience on your on your show. But even we because we write for Forbes, you know, we'll have public we had a publicist reach out a few weeks ago. and She's like, "Hey, we have this uh, gentleman, he's he ran this massive brand. I'm not going to say the name of it. Uh, and now he's starting another business. We'd love to have him on the show." And I'm like, "I never heard of this guy." So I Googled him. Turns out he, like, embezzled $3 million and <laughs> moved to America. Well, just and became like, a more
0: interesting guest to me. Uh, I don't know. Like, true. Well, it <laughs> a, a different story. Uh, <laughs> but we said
1: no uh, yeah. to that. But it's like... That's suppose, a whole
0: other podcast. You uh, know. I know.
1: Maybe if she met me in... Pra- I'd still probably say yeah. no. uh, But That's no a great wrong.
0: podcast idea. You went to jail.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> we should. Like, I, I would
0: want, want to hear that podcast. We'd go know? to the jail and interview him
1: yeah. there, but... Um, didn't work. You got to know your audience. but White I c- collar. That, you know, <laughs> there's a name. Okay. I don't even... I, oh, he did, he's, he yeah. looked like he did some sh- shadier stuff as well. What's the opposite of white collar? Is there a blue collar? No, but like there's white collar crime. There isn't blue collar crime. Ca- Murder. I don't know. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> there's the rest of the... Rob- <laughs> robbery. Um, all right, we could get more graphic, but we will move on. Uh, yeah. But so obviously know your audience. Provide value when you're reaching out and build a relationship with a person as well.
0: Yeah. It, it's just... The podcast world, you see people, you know, the ones that have become super successful. Yeah. It's because you knew what you were getting before you walked in the door and then it hit on that value. So like right. J train podcasts, people or especially you up. It's like you up podcast. I right, guy and girl are going to give are going to talk about modern dating. Oh, I'm dating. I'm in the modern dating world. I'm having trouble with that. And you listen, you go, this solved a need for me. Yeah. This was funny and it had some thoughts that didn't make me feel alone. Mm. And that's a big thing because you're writing people. It's the most intimate form of entertainment. Like you're with people at their most lonely moments. You're in there. You're literally in their ear. So what you find is that like the people that come to my shows, I have people that like, hey, I've been listening since high school and now I'm a graduate. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. You know, like I didn't think of it that way, but. It's kind of the way it worked out, you know.
1: So you, you alluded to this yourself uh, a little bit ago, but you quit your job. You yeah. decided to be- become a comedian. You continued your creative, creative pursuits, started this podcast. How did you finance this uh, in the beginning, and, and how do you continue to do so now with the podcast and everything?
0: I had savings. I'm making money now. Um, I was, you know— was like, this is going to be my life. Are you trying and to tour a lot? Are, well, are you trying to
1: make money? What's the way to make money? Like right now when you're a little bit uh, later stage in your comedic, well, you know, comedic career since you were, you know, compared well, to the beginning.
0: Right now, I'm, the podcasts. we'll do live podcasts, which those, that's a whole different thing. Like we're doing a live show now somewhat, you know, like that's, but that's a whole nother part of podcasting that you can tell hasn't scratched the surface mm. because the live podcasts that are going out there, they're selling out big time because people have a huge connection to these shows. Uh, Pod Save America. I mean, didn't they just do Radio City?
1: Yeah, I think, they I think, did I think Radio City. It.
0: You know, like people really want to be at the, uh, uh, the murder podcasts. That one does really well yeah that one they 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 sold out Carnegie Hall didn't they sell out Carnegie Hall yeah the last house on the left whatever mm-hmm. they so you can see like that's a whole nother route for this that's gonna be a money maker mm-hmm. and a lot of the live podcasts disappoint i think uh because it's a different experience to listen in your ear than it is to watch something on stage right so how do you make that's what I've tried to do with the live J train live you up podcast. How do we make this podcast a concert? So that's kind of the last three years. I've been doing live J train podcast at the comedy cellar and it started with me just doing the show on stage and it's like, Oh, I'm not that great. So we have to change this. <laughs> and then we started making bits where it was like we do bumble Tinder makeovers so we put people's Bumble profiles and Tinder and Hinge profiles up on the big screen, bring them on stage to discuss the decisions they made. And it adds <laughs> that adds energy to it. That's a real show. Can we pull up your uh, Tinder? Yeah, I pulled up mine. I had mine on like I've had my friends on who are comics and I, you know, we pull, we we bust people apart. And then I was like, OK, special treat. Here's my profile. Yeah. I'm a part of the game. And then we do what's the deal, which is like bringing up people's text conversations that didn't go well. (laughs) And why did this happen? So let's discuss. So now it's more visual. You want to make it, you know, I think that's like the next thing where people, a lot of podcasters aren't thinking about it because they love the sound of their own voice, which I do as well. Mm. But I just realized it didn't feel right when we first did them. So, you know, you do live podcasts. I do stand-up every night. I, uh, you know, the podcast has uh, given me a, an audience that are they've never seen me do stand-up. So they come excited to be there without knowing me for that, and then I can hopefully make them a better fan through that. And then I'm working on a Snapchat show. It's a game show called How Low You Go. So I've been traveling around the country every Saturday. That's why my voice sucks right now. <laughs> um, different college football games every week doing this game show that you can find on Snapchat. Um, what's it called How Low Will You Go it's a it's a uh, it's a reverse auction uh, (laughs) where we auction off horrible things so we'd be like, I'll shave your eyebrow off for $1,000. And you'd be like, yeah, I'll do it for $1,000. I'll look at you, I'll go, how about $900? You'd be like, I'll do it for 900 And down and down and down, and then someone taps out, and we uh, like shave off an eyebrow. Years. Yeah, 25 <laughs> bucks. Someone gets a dollar to shave off their eyebrow. So um, Well, they get
1: on Snapchat. Yeah,
0: and then they're on Snapchat, and they, their moms can be embarrassed for them. Um, so that's, it all, you know, I always say comedy's a million jobs that makes up one job. Yeah. So... I do whatever I can, but it's really, you know, I I want people to come to stand-up shows.
1: Well, what I love about what you do is you're obviously sincere. You're providing unique content. Uh, you know, yeah, you're obviously being funny that that comes with it, but you're adjusting it to whatever the medium is. So you, you did the gig at the comedy to sell. You realize we got to switch this up, have some bits, have some visuals. Sure. That's part of the creative process.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a big thing with podcasts. Like you're looking to start your own podcast. Um, would I listen to this? Right. Would I be happy with this show that I went to? Um, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. And I listen to podcasts. I love podcasts. Yep. I, I listen. And the ones I like best are, are consistent. That's a big thing, too. If you're going to start a podcast, you have to realize that you're a part of people's day yep. from minute one. So, like, you're their Monday show. If you're not up on a Monday, people get fucking mad. Yeah. And I don't blame them. I planned on having this on my ride to work on Monday and you let me down and what's going to happen next week. So I've always been one for consistency. And then also the makeup of the show. It does. It does it move in the same way every time. Like, are you sitting there going, well, what's next? Hmm. Like so many podcasts I've been a guest on where it's like, yeah, so uh what else?
1: Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Who's Plan listening to bit. the,
0: you know, you want but it's like where are we going? Yeah. What's the, you know, oh, how do you finish your show? How do you start your show? How do you what's the what are your bits? What what audience are you going to? Are you doing a car podcast and you're doing different things about cars? Like that's all available. You can create your own show now. Like that's the the beauty of of that of the space is that you can you can switch it every week and be like, "I'm just starting a new segment." Right. At least you try, but at least it's a segment. You know, like put it in the middle of the show. Maybe it doesn't work. We tried this thing. We were like, "We're going to give away." I have these hats I sell because I called. Uh, if you want to buy hats, call. It's a. I, I say to listeners, "This is going to sound awful." I was, I was like, it feels good when you DM or tweet or message me about the show. It feels like you're feathering my nuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I listen to so, that episode. Yeah, so
0: I do a whole 10-minute thing about how, where I'm getting feathered and how it feels. <laughs> and I do 10 minutes on, I'm by a stream, we play stream sounds, and I'm like, I'm on all fours, and I'm naked, and you're next to me, you're feathering, and... <laughs> And then I started calling them Feather Nation, the fans of the fat show. And then I, we made these hats that are just a feather, because I was like, oh, this will be a cool looking hat, and it, it won't say Jared on it. It will just be a feather, and you can kind of live in, you can be pride, have pride in the show in secret. But then I remembered that someone would go, what's the feather about? I'd be like, oh, I feather a guy's nuts. <laughs> 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 it
1: was
0: really a bad idea. But it's, um, but then we did this competition. We're like, you write. Your best version of how you're feathering my nuts. <laughs> so we were like, it's a creative writing competition. Yeah. So in the comment, so on iTunes, the more reviews you have, the better you go up the charts. So we're like, okay, your review should. We want a five-star rating with how you're feathering my nuts. Yeah. So, <laughs> and
1: iTunes doesn't care about people writing about feathering. No,
0: because I won't <laughs> report them. You know, we asked for this. And then, so we had this whole bit where it's going to be, we're going to read the best one on the air. So I'm like, we got like 10 minutes taken off. And like the producer of the show, I'm like, it's in his hands. He's going to read the thing. We're going to have fun with it. It's going to be 10 minutes off the top of the show. And I go, Shelby, read the winner of the the competition. And the guy's thing was just like, hey, I love the show.
1: (laughs) That's all he had?
0: and i was like that's the fucking winner <laughs> like i thought this was going to be this whole funny thing of like feathering and you know meadow and <laughs> and i'm in it's, it's it's listening to it it's hilarious because you're like you can hear how let down i am <laughs> by how shitty this response was now i got to send the guy a free hack cuz he won and then we, but that was a segment that like, it failed. It absolutely failed. And you
1: didn't even get feathered
0: out of it. And not, I didn't get my feathering, um,
1: <laughs> but it them. it
0: wasn't, it didn't work. But you tried and then we went for, well, I was like, okay, let's try again. And I explain, I go, it's on me. It's my fault. I didn't explain it right. You know, whatever. And then we did it again and it worked, but it's, um, you're going to, f- you know, you have a space you have in one i think they should be an hour but you can you have whatever amount of time you have to do a podcast you have a space to like play within those lines and but remember someone's listening and they're turning off ever as the show starts up here you can see it on the graph it goes down Mm -hmm. till the end yeah so how do you keep that graph up here instead of
1: at the end when they don't listen to your tour dates if you're just tuning into the mentors, we're talking about nut feathering. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, what else? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I. Uh, we'll move on to audience questions soon. Um, I guess I just wanted to hear from you. I mean, you're you're getting pretty legit in my eyes. At least you're doing this full time. Obviously, at what point did it feel like this is the real deal? This is my real career. I don't have to prove myself to mom and dad. It's a. <laughs> or <maybe you> still. <laughs> it don't. never
0: feels real you know, I, I, uh, I feel, um, no, I, I want more, you know, like I want the podcast to be bigger. I want to do more stand up. I want to do more. Um, it weighs on you because you know, you see new people start whatever you're doing every day and you have to stay up on them and you have to stay up on the, you know, the people ahead of you. And that sounds bad to some people, but I, you have to, I, you have to kind of live in a little bit of fear. Um, And I feel that like I went back to Chicago uh, and I did Zany's great club in Chicago. And uh, I knew people were coming back that had seen me there before. So I'm like going through the tape of when I was there before just crossing off bits that I can't do again. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, there's going to be 20 people out of the 150 or whatever that have heard this shit before. They're going to go, I guess he doesn't write. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, you know, And, you know, I live like, you know, that that does weigh a little bit.
1: Um, But you I I can already tell even through your thought process there, you're taking it very seriously like a professional. Uh, You've been doing the podcasting thing for five years, comedy for what, eight years or so? Eight years, yeah. Especially in the beginning and that's a long time to do something, even for a young guy, or especially for a young guy, I should say. But in the beginning, it must be hard. And there must be days where, like you say, you get discouraged. You see other people are starting stuff. What keeps you pushing through, though? Like, What do you tell to somebody who's starting off, maybe been doing it for a year, and like, hey, I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere with this. How do you push through?
0: You have to have small goals. You have to have the, like, the, the goals that other people would be like, that's your goal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you
1: know,
0: like, I would be like, okay, I want to do this bar show. I want to do this. I want to have a new see. Like when I started, someone was like, "You should run your own show and have it be so good, and then use that to test your eight minutes from the three months before." So I was like, "Okay, if I have three months, if in three months I have eight minutes, that's good." And that doesn't even live by my rule of, you know, whatever the amount of weed to it would be. It should be twelve minutes, but if I have eight that work for my crowd that I invite all my friends, so every three months I would do my own show in the back of a bar called j Train's Comedy Express. On brand. Um, So, and we do it on the Upper East Side. And then, so like, my goal for the first two years was like the new eight minutes for that show and filling up that show and having my friends love that show and meeting new comics that they never would have met. So, those goals to someone else would be like, well, how much? Well, everyone always asks you when you start this, well, how much does it pay you to do an open mic? And like, that's a ridiculous question, but that also is. That No one knows what you do as well as you. Right. So you have to, like, be empathetic to that and say, well, you pay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or you do a free open mic that's in a shitty location. or. But, you know, I think the you have to have goals that maybe people would look at and go, I don't know. Who would want to do that, you know? Right. I, I just think little things lead to big things. And you also have to be delusional. Um, you have to have some delusion to think that you're going to, it's going to work out. And I look back now, I'm like, I I don't think I could redo the things I did. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's also a good thing. Like I wouldn't redo the things I did. Like I wouldn't go drive somewhere to do go on stage for free at this point,
1: but I did it. But you mu- you must have, within those first two years, been seeing some positive reinforcement to keep going. It's not like people are booing you every time you got on stage, right?
0: No, uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all... But uh, you get positive. You know, just small wins. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... Small wins were big for me because no one was going to encourage me to do more stand-up. Like, even now. Like, no one... You don't need another white dude doing stand-up. <laughs> it's just the reality. Right. And so... What, or what audience do you speak to? Like, you know, the people that I speak to, they seem to enjoy it, so I'm going to keep going, you know, to keep getting more of them. But, you know, they don't – no one needs you to do this. And, that, you know, I had someone that were like – I did a show in Philadelphia, and it was uh, it's basically sold out. Like, it was great. Yeah. And I had some girl that came – she was with a bunch of people that I went to college with, and she was like <laughs> – she she was like – I don't think she realized that, like, I just did the show. Like, it was weird. It was a weird interaction. But she was, like, so, so like, and, like, I had a fun show. It wasn't like I bombed. Right. And she was, like, so that was cool. And I was, like, yeah, thank you. um And I was she was, like, uh, so do you love it? And I was, like, well, if I love it, I should probably stop doing it. If I don't love it, I should stop doing it. Yeah. Because no one, I'm not a doctor. Like, I don't, you know, I didn't, like, go to school for the, you know, like I, this is for, this is a selfish pursuit in my eyes. Um, And she was like, a lot of people don't do what they love. I go, yeah, that's, I I don't think they do, but a lot of them don't, you know, it's just, you also don't, you know, if you're being hired by a company, there's someone there that depends on you at the company. The only person that really depends on me now is me, which I'm lucky for, but you know, I don't know.
1: Yeah. No, you got it. You got, I mean, look, a lot of it is hard work. It's grinding. It's going sometimes to a show and there's like three people in the audience, but Hey, if you get some laughs, if you get to test out a material, I love what you say, small goals, small wins. And that will add up.
0: Well, a lot of stand up too. In the beginning, you're just trying to get like people to laugh. But then like now, if I go to an open mic, I just want to hear myself say it. I want to hear how stupid I sound. (laughs) So, (laughs) and then if it, if it sounds good to me, I can feel that oh this will work at some point that's just experience.
1: Great. Last question before we open it up to the audience. Small goals are important. Now your goals are getting a little bit bigger. Like you said you you're never satisfied. What's your next big goal that you're trying to achieve? Oh, Either I, with the podcast or your stand-up career?
0: I don't I don't know. That's, again I feel yeah. stupid saying I don't it's de- okay. it's depressing to me to say that cuz <laughs> okay. that just like I don't know like the Snapchat show has been so much fun and I tell people about it I'm like yeah I'm at different college football every, football game every week and they go that is a dream job and I go yes it is but it wasn't my dream mm-hmm. that wasn't what I was th- I wasn't like I got to be at every college football game every week that was never So is
1: there a dream? Is I just want to I games?
0: just want to be able to live off of doing comedy. That's I mean that's really the only thing I want out of it, and I think that's like, I I don't you know if it gets bigger than that, that's great. If I I just hope it never gets smaller than that, because then I'm fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> so.
1: I think Sergey was hoping that you would say your appearance on the mentors today, but yeah, uh, but this was my. <laughs> A life goal. That's fine. The <laughs> to goal to be, is too small to, to be at a WeWork location. <laughs> yeah. That. All right. Who in the audience has a question for Jared? It could be about uh, his podcast, his stand up career, anything. And We'll ask you to come up to, I'll give you the mic so that we can actually record what you asked. So, so when you have the question, and I'm purposely keeping this going longer so that people actually can get <laughs> up and start coming here, uh, just come up here, say your name, your. Tinder handle, I guess, or uh, is that a... <laughs> that Twitter, reason?
0: Instagram, no. you got to get a shout
1: out. Just say your name. So come on over. Come on, come on by. <laughs> Start calling on people. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? My name's Garrett. Hi. Um, simple question. You mentioned earlier a lot of your uh, your early career was about, like, networking and reaching out to people, and I think it's kind of universal if you're a good networker. one number one rule is usually what can I do for you, not what can you do for me. So how does someone who's maybe just starting a podcast or just getting into stand-up comedy that really has nothing to offer for someone else, how do you reach out to them and and get something out of it? You know, do you see, do you kind of understand my question? Yeah. I how do you offer something when you don't have anything to offer? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks,
0: That's every day of my life. It's uh <laughs> Um I think I think uh, having I think for a podcast having a well thought out well produced show that's a very big offering to people because every time someone comes on my show what makes me feel the best I can't pay them I have sponsors but we don't pay them they come on for some sort of self promotion or to have fun with me because we have a prior relationship okay. but if they every time someone comes on the show and goes that wow that was fun that's something I've given them. Because to me, I told you a lot of podcasts, you go on and you're like, I walk away from more podcasts that I've been guests on than not going, oh, I sounded like such an asshole for an hour. And I think about that and I'm like, oh, I'm so, everyone's going to hate, they're going to listen to this and this is going to be the thing that's going to, they're going to be like, fuck this guy. And I like on my show, I'm like, I'm going to offer you the space where I'm just going to keep uh, setting you, setting you uh, and I'm looking for an analogy to... Alley-oops. Alley oops. I'm letting you slam dunk. So, like, we get the emails, we read the emails, that's material, and I'm going to set you up to be as funny as humanly possible in this world of the email. So when people walk away, they go, wow, that was fun, and every five minutes I'm repeating their Instagram handle. Whoever's listening is going to walk away going, wow, I know who that guest was, and it's not going to be by fault of me. Mm-hmm. I know who the guest was, and they were funny. So... I think that's when you have a podcast, that's the best thing you can do is have a world that someone can walk into and look their best. Right. And then for stand up, um, stand up's weird because it's a, the most entrepreneurial type of art. Like it's like the most physical art, but it also is an art. So people really don't. I learned very quickly how badly people respond to a businessy stand up guy, and I've been that. People just don't respond well to that. It's not like something they go, oh, well, that person's hustling. They might, If you're hustling, they think you're not funny. So with stand-up, the only thing you can do is, is give yourself to the community. Go on to open mics. Don't be above open mics. Don't be above anything. And hang out with people there and reach out to people that you're like, that person was funny to me. And if they're funny to you, that means you have a certain sensibility that they have. And now you're offering friendship and you're offering commiseration. So I, I think that's been... A big thing with stand-up is like the friends I've made for. I didn't go go into it looking for friends, but the friends I've made for it, like really, we have a connection that I is really you can't replace. Well, thank you. Yeah.
1: And for for everyone else, you know, when you're starting off, everyone has something to offer, even if you're just starting off. Like Jared started off writing. You know, that was his asset, his skill. He started doing it for maybe smaller publications, then got to bigger publications. He could show the work that he did. So you could offer to write something. You probably have someone in your network that you can make an introduction to them that could be useful for them. You could do some research for them and give them some industry insight that they might need to do their job. There's always something that you can think of either in your network or some skill or some knowledge that you might have or you can develop that can be an asset to somebody else and you can trade it for maybe some other way that they can help you. But thank you, that was a great question. Sorry. While we're at it, what's your Instagram handle? Like <laughs> we didn't
0: at Jared Freed on Instagram, JTrain fifty six on Twitter and Snapchat, um, JTrain podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Nice. You a podcast every Wednesday at five. We will see how good I've gotten. <laughs> <with that? laughs> we're going to re- replay that a couple yeah, of times yeah, yeah. throughout <laughs> the show. Okay.
1: Do we have another question, Chocho? Hey, my name is Chocho. <coughs> I'm sorry. Chocho. Hi. Do you have a dream? Something bigger than the short term goals.
0: I... I do. I I don't know. I feel again. I you know like there's just so much disappointment. You know like <laughs> you know <laughs> there's just I I don't know. There's like like the U. A. podcast. I think is a great TV show. Like I I could see that as being a TV show. Um, I would love for that to happen. I I you know. Um, I just don't get. Those are like materialistic dreams. Like to me that like never satisfy you. You know there'll be another thing I'll want to happen, but. I really genuinely, my dream is to just live a good life off of doing comedy. And it's like, I, I really don't want to ask for more than that from the, con- you know, I get it. I'm not a Zen person like that, but when it comes to this stuff, like I've, you know, every, my friends were getting girlfriends and I was doing open mics. So I've given a lot of my life to this. So I really, I do value the time that goes into it. And I know that nothing is like you know you see, in comedy you see a lot of people, you know the next day they have the, they're famous like that happens to people. I I don't aspire to that because it's just not realistic. You know, but I I don't mean that as a bad thing for anyone else to have his dreams, but I. I don't know. this is kind of the- part in the beginning I said I feel weird because mm. I don't have anything you know like i you know i I'm going to go do a spot at Gotham at eight forty that ten people are going to be at so <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, a <Tuesday. laughs> it's a Tuesday, you know I'll give myself a little bit of but i you know if I could go to do Gotham every Tuesday night for the rest of my life, i'd love to do that you know so i I know that sounds like really like a lie and no. I, and kind of corny but i I you know you know I would love a special I'd love a Netflix special you know that that would like I dream of that on a daily basis but like you know that doesn't happen for everyone so and, and I'm okay with i'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop doing this because that didn't happen hmm. so you know I didn't start this for anything but be funny for money so that was
1: really life is full of
0: i I believe something's gonna happen I don't think i I would be I uh, I have that much delusion, <laughs> so I do believe something's gonna happen. It's, I I don't what it is. I don't know what.
1: You know? Well, the smaller wins I feel like are more important because even when you do have something sick happen, like you're on stage with those huge comedians, sure, like, it's a blip. I mean, it's over. It's you're, you feel high from it for like a day, maybe, yeah. and that's about it, right?
0: Yeah, I. It was you're at the Boston Garden. I used to go watch Celtics games there. Like I was, that was like an amazing moment in my life. But more than that, you know, like like here's an example, uh, Colbert. Tapes, they do five-minute stand-up at the end of the show. Colbert now, instead of doing it at the end of the show, they tape them on a Friday. So they do all five stand-ups for the month or whatever minute it is. They're going to tape them all at once in front of an audience on their their stage, and then they put them at the end of shows. That, to someone else, they'd be like, well, you've done Colbert. That's not how I want to do a late-night show. And I'm okay with that's my line in the sand because to me – the reason to do a late night show to me, that's not something that's gonna, I don't, in this day and age, that's not gonna like, pop me off. If it does, it's gonna be for another reason, because I did a joke about something that was in the, in the zeitgeist, and, it, and it, it's only gonna pop off because it goes viral on the internet. So I can do that on my own. I, I, I would like to do The Tonight Show because you tape it at the show. You get to meet Jimmy Fallon. You get to be the two other guests. You get to meet them. And that's like, for me, that's more for my family and more for, like, uh, for, like, what they've done for me, you know? So, like, the Colbert, I would literally, like, I was, like, I don't mean this anything against anyone who does a show. That's their own choice. But I was, like, take me out of that running. I'm not going to send them videos to go and tape it on a Friday to not get the experience that I want to give to my family of, like, they supported me since the beginning Like, I want them to go and see, I want them to go in and shake the hands of a fucking army hammer.
1: (laughs) We have other questions from from the audience, please.
0: Hey, Barry. Hey, my name is
1: Barry. Uh, Got a couple of
0: small questions. Sure. A lot of people are just starting out with podcasts, so maybe a couple of hints, advice, where you're just beginning from literally scratch how to engage. Maybe a couple of small things again with social media. Yeah. And for me, I'm getting back to the value of early childhood education. So mm-hmm. if you have a, an idea of like where would I start if I'm, you know, looking at education and not, uh, you know, the top ten this or that. Sure. But I think that's like – I think that's where podcasts are going. Like I think like an early childhood education – someone the other day was like, why isn't there a podcast that I can put on with my 10-year-old that's someone reading a story? Mm-hmm. And they said that to me, and I was like, that is – there, that that's a market that's out there that like should happen. So like podcasts can be anything. So like with that one, have a show like write down what your segments would be mm-hmm. like what, like, and they can be stupid. Like they could be like just really simple. Like, You know, for me, it was like, we're going to start with news, then we're going to do the emails, then we're going to do shout-out of the week, and we're going to do this of the week. You know, like, Mm -hmm. everything had a name to it, and then you did it. So I think for, like, early childhood education, where it's like, one, have a show that's, like, whatever the amount of time is, half hour, hour, where you've planned it out, and you treat it as if it's 60 minutes, because 60 minutes will be like, and now, and this, and now, and this. Also, going to groups online... And partnering with them would be my first, like, any mom blogs or anything, like, related to, like, early childhood education online. There's so many groups right now Mm -hmm. where you could reach out to these groups and be like, hey, I have the podcast that is going to be perfect for your group. Mm -hmm. And I just want to, like, you know, and and submit it to them. I think that's, like, a for you, that's, like, a great thing. Mm -hmm. And also, you can do the first five episodes and work it out. Like, if I was to start again, I would make the first five episodes and then choose the two best. And then, okay, I figured out a show a little bit. Now I'm going to go to these places and go, hey, just want to let you know I'm doing this thing for early childhood education where you can take away from it these things. Mm-hmm. So I, that would be my first get... step. Okay. Just because online there's so many communities that are dedicated to that. And then also I make a menu for every episode of the timestamps of what I talked about during each thing. So we live in a world of like DVR. So it's like, why not make your podcast DVRable? So, hey, at 10 minutes, I'm going to be talking about kindergarten. At 15 minutes, I'm going to be talking about, you know, grade one through five. At 20 minutes, you know, and I do that where I'm like, email one at 15 minutes is email one. And then I explain what the email is that I'm answering. In like the show notes, you mean? Or in your website show or notes, or I make a graphic. The graphic that we make, we put up every episode. And I can go, hey, do you guys, you know, the, what did you talk about this week? I never got that question. What did you talk about this week? They can read through it. And someone who's like, I like Jared, but he's, he's okay. But this subject relates to my life. Then they can pick and choose things that like, relate to them. So someone who has a child at a certain age, and you're like, on this episode, I talk about this age at this minute. They can just skip ahead. So it makes it really easy for people to like dive in. There's just so many options with podcasts. So it's like, how do I make it as easy as possible for someone to say, oh, that's my life. This is dealing with me. So that's a no, Thanks for the problem.
1: question, Barry. And I think that was, you mentioned so many good takeaways there, and it comes down to just, it's work. You got to do the work.
0: Yeah, you got to, I think, uh, I, <laughs> I just see it with the comedians a lot that start their own podcast. They love to sound their own voice, which again, I do too, yeah. but you have to make a show. It has to be something that has an arc and you can say, hey, welcome to the blank show. We're gonna do this this week, thank you for listening, we're gonna do this, let's start the show. And then it's, thank you for listening to the blank show, let's end the show. Like It's gotta have an ending to it. So, And a lot of times, there's a show that I go on all the time, it's fucking so long, and I sit there and I'm like, who is here now? (laughs) <laughs> I don't mean that as they're not bad people. It's not a great show. It's just who wants this?
1: They're not Joe
0: Rogan. Yeah, but <laughs> Joe Rogan. Even I listen to some episodes yeah, of his. Yeah, I'm like, who? You know, like I'm like skip. But also, I love Joe Rogan's show. Right. Like he gets interesting guests. Like so.
1: Speaking of endings, we're gonna wrap it oh, up. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, because I uh, think you said you have a show coming up in about thirty minutes. So we want to let you go. A, yeah. Any Maybe, more questions? I'll take one more. If w- you got one more one. quick question, do you guys. Yeah, you come on up. <coughs> Hi, I'm Emily. Hi. Um, at the Yonik, Y-O-N-I-K. There you go. Um, promotion. <laughs> so, uh, my quick question is, how do you strike the balance of being off the cusp and properly planned?
0: Um, that's hard because it's like you can get lazy with it. You know, like you know, you have a show that people like, and you have the format, and then you're like, okay, I'll just wing it. I know the format, so. Um, I want to be able to be, I think making sure the topics that you're bringing up interest you. So a lot of times when I've gotten lazy and the mistake I've made is I'll be like, yeah, I'll just dig into the inbox and then I'll read an email. I'll get three lines and I'll go, this is boring. This is long. This is something we've already done. So I'm not enthusiastic about it and that shows. So if you're not, you're going to have to talk, if you want to start a podcast, you have to talk about it every week. You better like talking about it <laughs> because, you know, I listen to Tony Kornheiser podcast and he always talks about, you know, when he always, he has a great line where he's like, yeah, Tuesday show is easy, but what are, the, what are you going to talk about on Thursday? And it's like, I think about that all the time. Like, am I repeating myself? Am I getting, is it too much of the same? So it's like, that's a big thing where it's like, if I'm not excited about the topic, get out of here um i know that I, we do advice the better emails sometimes they're a lot longer but you got to read through them to make sure if this is interesting to me now i'm a lot like my audience it'll be interesting to them so i think being generally excited about what you're talking about because that's hard to do for th- five years you know never mind six months or an episode so that would be thank you thank you
1: all right, Jared Freed, thank you so much for coming on The thank Mentors and for coming to the New York City Podcast Meetup. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Uh, your story is really inspiring, at least to us, because you you embody a lot of what we talk about on our show, which is you have to, if you find what you love, figure out a way to do it because this you only live once, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, most of all, Know that it's going to be for the long haul. So you better love it. And you do get to do what you love every single day. So.
0: But I think also to that point, it's okay to not know what you love. Like, I didn't know. I had no idea how much I would love doing this. Like, it's okay to not know. Like, I, you know, that was the sad part about graduating college. I was like, does everyone know what they're going to fucking do now? Like, really? How did you know? Like, and I think, you know, like, you feel sad about that. And you're like, then you realize everyone's just as fucking doesn't know shit also and everyone's more alike than they are different and it's okay. Like I really, honestly, it took me like looking back of like why I wanted to do comedy, like looking back at my conversation with my family and like I didn't pick up the phone and talk to my dad about stocks and bonds. We talked about TV shows Mm -hmm. and like admitting to those things and going, oh, I do like doing, you know, like it's just okay not to know. I, I think it's okay to figure it out and it's okay to be like, I tried it, I hate it. Goodbye.
1: Yeah,
0: it's okay to bail out. Like, yeah. I mean, it'd be okay for me if I went back to life insurance tomorrow. Like, no one's gonna give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine.
1: Right. It's, there's no way you're gonna do
0: that. It doesn't look like it for <laughs> today. Yeah. So you
1: you wake up every day figuring out how you're not gonna do that. How you're gonna continue getting paid for this? Yeah. That's so, yeah. So thanks living for living constant fear. <laughs> Check out the J Train show. Also, I'm sure if you Google and go on your website, which is JaredFree.com, um, you
0: up podcast that's the
1: ua podcast and then the j train podcast
0: and uh they're out there they're fun shows if you enjoy you know luxury issues they're great <laughs> <laughs> well there you
1: go luxury issues tinder uh and hilarious jared j train thanks so much for coming to the show Thank you guys. thanks guys still recording still recording all right i just want to get the claps